Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, September 28th, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. I'm Buster only working from my home studio in New York. Let's get to the good stuff. The good stuff last night, no question about it. The Mariners in the athletics game. Uh, these two teams vying for one of those two wild card spots that are opening the American League. Oakland took a 3-0 lead in this game, but in the bottom of the fourth, J.B. Crawford tied the score. The first pitch on the way to Crawford, swung on, line drive into center field for a base hit. Kelnick being waved in by Manny. Up with the ball is Brown. The throw to the plate going to be cut off by Olsen. Kelnick slides, he scores, and the Mariners have tied the game at 4-4. And then Mitch Hanniger essentially put the game out of reach for Seattle. Here's the 3-1 pitch to Hanniger, swung on, belted deep to left center field. Going and going and goodbye baseball into the Mariners bullpen. Mitch Hanniger, a three-run home run here in the bottom of the fourth, his 36th home run of the year. And it's now the Mariners eight and the Athletics four. Yeah, at the end of the night, Seattle blowing out the Oakland Athletics. Here's how it stands the American League wildcard race as we go into this pivotal Tuesday. The Yankees are in first. They lead Boston by one game. The Red Sox are ahead uh, of the Jays by one game and the Mariners by a game and a half. Oakland is just about eliminated, down three and a half games with five games to play. And the A's would have to leapfrog three different teams. Tonight, the Yankees will be in Toronto to start a series against the Blue Jays. The Red Sox are getting to play the Baltimore Orioles. First pitch is part of ESPN Nation, brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Shohei Otani spoke to reporters, very interesting comments uh, when he's essentially talking about what the Angels are going to be doing going forward and what he's going to want to do. He's eligible for free agency after the 2023 season, and he was asked about what he wants moving forward. He said, I want to win. We'll be talking about that with Jessica Mendoza and Melanie Newman coming up, how it feels like the Angels front office is in increasing pressure to upgrade this team for 2022 as Shohei Otani begins to weigh the possibility of becoming a free agent in a couple of years. Giants got terrible news. Home run leader, their team home run leader, Brandon Belt, has a broken left thumb. The Giants have not announced exactly what this means, but obviously it's a huge loss for this team. We'll be talking with Sarah Langs about that coming up. The Reds are not eliminated yet uh, from the National League wildcard race, although St. Louis has it by the throat. Cincinnati blew up Pittsburgh yesterday, and Joey Votto had himself a hell of a day. The 3-1 pitch. He swings, sends one high, deep to left. Backing up, offered on the warning track, at the wall, gone! An opposite field home run for Joey Votto. It's 3 nothing Reds. From the belt, the right-hander delivers. Schrock runs, and Votto swings and hammers one deep right field. Way back there. It is way out of here. To the back of the sun deck in right. A two-run shot for Votto, his second of the game. That sound from 700 WLW, Joey Votto, 24 home runs since the All-Star break. The final score there was 13-1. to White Sox and Tigers, and the bench, and bench is cleared late in the game. Runner on, one away. Sox lead by a run, pitch in the dirt. Jose takes off for second, and a hard slide, and he's out. 
tagged out, and he's having an argument with Goodrum, and the benches have emptied. The benches have cleared. Everybody headed towards second base. Pushing and shoving. Bullpens have emptied. And this is starting to look real here as everybody's jockeying for position. Right behind second base. Jose is being held by Gavin Sheets away from the scrum. And now it looks as though cooler heads have prevailed, but they're all still together right behind second base. Len Casper, ESPN 1000. Yeah, Jose Abreu was upset after being hit by a pitch. He went into second base with a hard slide. The bench is empty. Managers were jawing at each other. White Sox win the game 8-7. to seven. The Indians and Royals, and the most important moment in this game will be talked about at one family's Thanksgiving table. Kyle Zimmer hands at the belt. He lets it fly. Swung in and blasted. High, deep to right. Away, back, gone. Well, if they did it in the backyard, they better have lived on a ranch because that's how far that bomb went. Bradley Zimmer gets his big brother. That's right. Tom Hamilton with that call. WTAM 1100. The Indians went eight to three, but Bradley Zimmer hitting a long home run off his brother. Taylor, before we get to what you got, look, you know, Kyle Zimmer, it's, it feels like it's not fair because Kyle Zimmer could strike out Bradley Zimmer two, three times. And you'd be like, okay, if you hit a bomb home run off your older brother, I mean, you just can't outdo that. No, until from now until the end of time, he can haunt his brother with, with this memory. I mean, it's 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 never going to go away. He could, I, you know, brothers being brothers, you know, he could be on his deathbed and be like, remember the time I took your yard? <laughs> like, like, that's that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Buster, in terms of what I've got over here, first up, listen to Keyshawn, J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio. Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Time, KJM brings you the insight of former number one pick in the NFL draft, Keyshawn Johnson, along with number two pick in the NBA draft, Jay Williams and host Max Kellerman. On the latest news from the NFL and college football, tune in to hear them debate what's happening and grill the best known guests in sports. That's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPN News, or listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and listen to In the Crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Hall of Fame Sports caster Linda Cohn and national NHL reporter Emily Kaplan. That is every Monday and Thursday. Cohn and Kaplan will bring fans their insider perspectives, reporting reactions and analysis to the latest breaking headlines and under the radar stories, both on and off the ice. That's in the crease. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist and game winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. 
But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, a reporter and producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Buster. How are you? I'm doing well, and you and I are in a good place because we're not living Kyle Zimmer's life today. <laughs> we will get to that in a moment. I say that uh, kiddingly. Uh, first, I want to ask you about the American League wildcard race. We only really had one game last night that had uh, real serious meaning in any of the, the pennant races that are playing out. Mariners and the Athletics, Seattle may have provided you know, the, the next to last body blow for the Oakland Athletics by blowing them out. Uh, they are now a game and a half behind the Red Sox for the second wild card. So they're kind of hovering right now. What do you think? They are hovering. And I mean, it's really fun to see them still in it. This team has had one of the weirdest seasons we've been talking about all year. They have this negative run differential. There's only a handful of teams that made the playoffs with a negative run differential. I think everybody kind of used that to write them off, rightfully so, when they were hovering in July, hovering in August, whatever else. But here we are in the last week of the season, and this is the this is among the closest they've been to a postseason spot with five or fewer games left to go since they last made the playoffs. We know they have the longest active playoff drought. So I'm not sure that this will really happen, but this is what makes these last week so exciting. And it's really fun to see. I'm staring at their playoff odds and they're 5.6%. So that's why I say I'm not so sure, but the Cardinals were at 2.8% and look where they are. So you just never know. Yeah. And it's funny when you get this, this time of year, I always notice that, you know, we watch a team that's ascending. You're like, wow, watch them. This happened with the Phillies recently in recent days. We're like, that's a dangerous team. And then you lose one or two games when you're behind and it's just devastating. Like if the Mariners lose today, uh, knowing that probably the, the, you know, the Red Sox are going to have a good chance to beat the Orioles and either the Blue Jays or the Yankees are going to win. One of those teams are going to win that. that I mean, it would it would be an absolute body blow for Seattle with uh, so few games remaining. Totally. And and that's the thing. That's why the last week obviously carries so much importance. And, you know, I think that's why it was really fun that that was really the only game that mattered last night, even though it was the last game and everything else was they kind of got the full stage and everyone's watching this and saying, hey, the Mariners have a chance. And part of it is because, as you mentioned, the Red Sox didn't win yesterday and the Yankees and Blue Jays both didn't get a chance to win yesterday. None of those teams played. So it kind of puts it even more on display. But it's really fun. I mean, it was awesome to see Mitch Hanniger hitting those two home runs. Just so exciting after the journey he's had over the last three seasons at this point for him to be putting up a multi-homer game and this game where they're really pushing forward. Really, really cool to see. I suspect your mom was devastated by the news coming from the Giants and Brandon Belt suffered a broken thumb uh, and the Giants haven't specified exactly what this means for him going forward. But you and I both know for a hitter, that type of injury, even if it's uh, something that is, uh, you know, on the scale of fractures is relatively minor for a hitter. It's devastating. 
Yeah, it really is. And I think, you know, just to kind of put that fan perspective a little bit, knowing so much about the Giants fan base because of my mother, I mean, Brennan Bell was at 29 home runs. The Giants don't care that they haven't had a 30 homer hitter since Barry Bonds. They've won three World Series in that span, but they have not had a player hit 30 home runs since Barry Bonds hit 45 in 2004. Every other team has had at least four players hit 30 home runs in that span. The Yankees have had 25. And, you know, I think I've been tracking the stats since I've been doing this, since I started at ESPN. And Belt is always the guy who comes close and ends up getting injured, missing some time, and doesn't end up doing it. And the fact that he's one shy, I mean, that just felt very sort of like poetic, tragic. And again, he's fine overall and he'll be okay. His career will be okay, but it's just a bummer to see something like that happen. But I will say the way we've seen the Giants play this year, it feels like they're one of these teams where they can make it work. I mean, he was injured for a lot of the year, and I know that Darren Ruff also being injured obviously complicates this, but Lamont Wade Jr. has a career 860 OPS against righties. Wilmer Flores has a career 822 OPS against lefties and they end up with like a super platoon there. And I really think that they have this almost Rays or Dodgers way about them now where something like this happens and you know, they have someone else who can step up. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing is I'm just thinking in a big moment against big pitchers because of Brandon Belt's experience in the postseason, you know, his, he would take his plate appearances with a heart rate of 60. And yes. there's going to be that moment when, you know, you you wonder if he'll be missed uh, in the postseason. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 466. So Joey Votto yesterday, again, we only had five games and only one of them really matter for the postseason, but we got some fun performances. So Joey Votto hit a 466 foot home run yesterday, which was his longest home run tracked by StatCast. His prior longest was 449 feet and it was in 2017. And I just felt like that's super emblematic of the season he's been having just this career year at an advanced age and everything else that he's doing. So it's his second home run of the day, which is his fifth multi-homer game this year. Only a handful of guys have had more multi-homer games in a season at age 37 or more. So it's Nelson Cruz in 2019, Alfonso Soriano in 2013, David Ortiz in 2014, and Henry Aaron in 1971. So it's happened kind of recently, but it is not a long list. And he's just right behind those guys. Number two. Number two is 321. So that's what Juan Soto is batting after last night's game. He's just behind Trey Turner at 322 for that NL batting title and to lead the majors. So we'll see who ends up uh, leading there. Of course, the former teammates battling it out on sort of opposite coasts, though. The Nationals are in Colorado right now, but Soto won the batting title last year. He was the fifth youngest player to win a batting title. Only one player has won multiple batting titles before turning 23, and it's Ty Cobb, who won three. And, you know, I mean, I've talked plenty about how much I love Soto's game. He's the best hitter in baseball, and he's just such a joy to watch. But he has 139 walks this year and just 86 strikeouts, so a huge differential there. And he did the same thing last year, not with as outstanding of numbers, but he had more walks than strikeouts. The only other player who had had more walks and strikeouts in qualified season as young as him in the wildcard era was Albert Pools in 2002. 
And now Soto's about to do it twice under that age. So it's just crazy to see all that he is doing and at such a young age, having the best eye in baseball and all of that. Number one. Number one is four. So again, to the point that we had some fun performances yesterday, even though we didn't have a handful of games, Bradley Zimmer on the Indians homered off of his brother, as you alluded to earlier, Kyle Zimmer in that Indians Royals game. So they had faced off earlier this year for the first time and Zimmer struck out this time and Zimmer uh, Zimmer got him. Bradley got Kyle. So this is just the fourth instance in the modern era uh, of a player homering off of his brother. And I love the prior instances. So we have in May of 1976, Joe Negro off of Phil Negro. That's a pitcher off of another pitcher, of course. And then we have uh, in July 1933, Rick Farrell off West Farrell. And in October of 1904, George Stovall off Jesse Stovall. So the others were a more typical like this position player off a pitcher, but it's pretty crazy to have pitcher on pitcher on that list as well. Two quick follows for you. I mentioned to Taylor when we played the highlight of that early in the, in the, uh, in the podcast, I feel like that it's not fair to, for Kyle Zimmer. He could strike out Bradley Zimmer like two or three times in a row but you can't match the impact of a bomb home run no. like that, no matter what you do. So at Thanksgiving and Christmas, Bradley Zimmer is always going to have bragging rights. You agree? Absolutely. I, I mean, he's always going to, and uh, it's going to be really funny. I mean, I hope we get some follow-up stories about, uh, you know, how they both approached it afterward. And the other one I was uh, on the Sunday night broadcast the other day, uh, my colleague Alex Rodriguez was talking about possible triple crown winners, and he threw Juan Soto's name into that mix. And my initial response, I said on air, I'm like, Juan Soto can't win a triple crown because he walks too much. You agree yeah. with me? Yeah, I heard you say that, and I was nodding along. I mean, you know, we talked about it, I think, entering the year. We were talking about potential uh, home run leaders, I believe. And you pointed that out to me of there's no way he would lead the majors or lead the national league in home runs because he walks so much and he'll still hit a ton of home runs. He has the fourth most of anybody before turning 23, but to get into that absolute leading the league type of category and any counting stat like that, his walks are going to hurt him there, but they help the team and you know, they're great to see. Yeah. And he's going to get pitched around a lot until they yeah. sort of restore the infrastructure of that lineup around him, like the way they had it in 2018 and 19. Can you imagine a lineup with Bryce Harper and Rendon and Soto? Wow. That would oh be, uh, that would be something. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. <laughs> thanks so much for having me, Buster. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Melanie Newman and Jessica Mendoza will be teaming up for a broadcast on ESPN on Wednesday night. The Padres and the Dodgers, they will be the network's first all-female broadcast team during an MLB, NBA, or NFL regular season or playoff telecast. Uh, the uh, what uh, I saw this on one website. The duo additionally will make history as the first all-female broadcast team for a nationally televised MLB game. Melanie, how you doing? We're doing well. Uh, just gearing up for a little bit of everything this week. Jess, what's going on? I know you're doing this uh, uh, podcast from the darkened closet of your house. <laughs> Anyone who's been out doing podcasts before their kids are awake or their dog is awake, it's so always got to find a place to hide before they hear you. So that's what I'm doing. I'm out on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking with a friend the other day, my friend Louise Schwingle, and I told her about this broadcast that you guys have coming up. And her reaction was funny. She's uh, it was like, really? That hasn't happened before? And she expressed some surprise that it's taken this long. Uh, Melanie, how does it feel to be uh, a, a part of a couple pieces of history this year? You know, Buster, this has kind of been the trend, uh, really, since I was with Mobile in 2014, and they hadn't had a woman uh, in the booth in the Southern League, and then it followed in the Texas League and, and the Carolina League. And um, it's, so it feels weird for me to personally say that it's almost like just another day, uh, minus the fact there's a little extra press around, uh, coming to work and usually a time where we're talking about the team and the players and instead it's flipped and, and we're talking about each other and, and what this means. Um, so with all of the normalcy that I feel, I do recognize that it is another step forward in exposing, especially the younger generations that. We're, we're taking gender titles and roles of non-qualifiers out of jobs when it comes to who can be qualified to do something. And I think that's what excites me the most is just that we're really getting to a point across the board, not just in baseball, of if this person is talented, if this person has the qualifications, they're going to have the job. It doesn't matter what they look like. Jess? Yeah. And I would even say like how this came about. I mean, I know a lot of the questions I've been getting the last few days is like, well, you know, what was the plan? Like, were you guys talking about like, what, how did this internally? And I was pretty honest. I was like, you know, they didn't, uh, and I don't want to speak for Melanie, but like, they didn't let me know. It was just something you found out. And yeah, as much as that sounds like bad or funny or gosh, no one let you know. It's like, well, because I, know that internally at ESPN, it was like, well, Melanie Newman's really great at her job. We want to make sure that she gets on broadcasts, just does games during the week. So we're going to put them on a game and they're not so much like, let's put the women together, have it be a huge media thing. But really like Melanie just said, it's, it's just about putting good people where they should be. And my biggest goal, and you know, I get excited about this is I think about young girls listening to these broadcasts and I know that in their minds, this is going to be more and more normal. And that's something that I, I look forward to. And as much as this is important to keep doing, I just want more companies, more places to just think about, let's put the best people on our broadcasts and not think so much to, you know, okay, the gender, the race or what we have, but just let's, let's make sure that we're putting the right people forward. Yeah, Jess, I had a conversation about you a couple of weeks ago with Kim Ang, who became the first uh, woman to be a general manager of a team 
um, you know, going into the 2021 season. I've known her for, you know, 25 years. And I, I said to her that I thought you're the perspective of both of you is so similar. Uh, you know, I know you obviously well from uh, working all these years on Sunday Night Baseball with you, that it's sort of like, okay, it's important to talk about and, and it's important to take advantage of the platform. And I can't wait for the conversation to turn forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I remember when I first met Kim, um, you know, that was one of the, her biggest things. She's like, everyone wants us to meet. And she's like, I just wanted us to organically meet. Like I, I would have normally met you like at the time working for major league baseball and, you know, just being able to run into you. And we did, we ran into each other at a world series game. And she's like, I, I, I love the attention that the women in this industry are getting, but there's so many men that are meeting all the time and it's never a big deal. And she's like, I just want it to be more and more women where it isn't. And in this case, it was, it was like, we were the only two women in a room and we found each other, but she's like, I want it to organically happen. And so many people along the way are like, well, let's, you know, bring so much attention to the few women there are. And in Kim's case, I'm just, I'm so grateful she's in her position because she's so good at it. There's going to be so many more following. All right. The game that you guys are doing, uh, it's wonderful because it's uh, it's in this last week. It's one of the more meaningful games. The Dodgers, as I thought about it, I mean, it effectively, Melanie, is a must win game for them facing the Padres. Like they have no margin for error left. Yeah, they're just two games behind, but there's just so few games left. Yeah. And, you know, I got to look back this morning. There was a really cool feature that went out um, just about the significance of October 3rd for the Dodgers and how many times it's come between the Dodgers and the Giants and how it makes it that much more important when you're trying to fend off somebody who, you know, is, is just up the road from you guys, really. I mean, how many other places can say we have two teams from the same state who are, you know, effectively trying to push each other out here. And so, Buster, what's always interested me in that final week is which teams can handle that heat that they have ridden all year of, can they catch up to the giants? Can they, you know, go out and do this? Will they buckle under that pressure or are they going to get angry about the fact that that's been their division and they, they should have been on top this entire time. They just never came on top um, and, and come out and really take advantage of the situation. And on the reverse side of that, they have the Padres and are the Padres going to play angry, angry about the fact that they never lived up to the slightest of their expectations in this last final month, or are they going to roll over because they're still in the doldrums of we didn't make this season at all what it should have been. I mean, a team that, you know, is going to get into the postseason as we know, and it's just a matter right now, obviously of, of how they're doing it, but it's amazing how much conversation in Melanie's point that we've had about this division and nobody, no one, unless you're Dave Fleming or you're living in the Bay Area, has said the Giants, even though they've had it now for three months, that this has been a team that has shown so much. And with the Dodgers and their talent, as you could stay with the Padres and the Yankees that have had and not lived up to, at least the Dodgers will be in the postseason. But I still get excited about this team coming a week. I mean, honestly, if they're in that wild card game and it's Max Scherzer against Adam Wainwright, I mean, this is going to be an exciting team no matter what. It's just the path to get there. And I look on the flip side of the Padres and I mean, yes, they are just absolutely underperformed. They, you look at how great the series was. I mean, you remember Buster, you had one of the games, Dodgers Padres the first month of the season. I mean, it was the best baseball you could possibly watch. I don't think we're going to see that. I mean, I had the Padres last week. I know Melanie did too. And this is a team that I feel like is, is not only struggling, but you could just tell they're not enjoying the game at all. And they have a chance to play spoil, not only the Dodgers, but then they have the giants is the last series of the season. So, I mean, if the Padres are going to rally around anything, it's the 
is the fact that they're playing the two teams. They're fighting for what they wanted to fight for now come the end of the season. It does feel like that they're, you know, at the end of every season, because of disappointment, there are a handful of teams that always look like college students ready to get out at the end of the semester. That's the way the Padres have felt. That's the way the Mets looked when they played in Boston last week, uh, you know, at the end of a a frustrating year. So it will be interesting to see, you know, how much they step up. Jess, uh, the Mariners, big win last night. They blow out Oakland. Uh, They still have a lot of things that have to go right for them because they're a game and a half uh, behind in the race for the second wild card. What are you seeing in them? Oh, man, they are such a fun team to watch. I mean, exact opposite of what you just said about the Padres and that, yes, they're fighting for the season, but they have all season long. And I live up here in the Northwest, so we see a lot of them. But, I mean, Chris Flexen has been a really fun, underrated yeah. pitcher that just gets no attention. He pitched last night. Mitch Tanniger had two pairs, three run home runs. And by the way, they were down most of the game. And they have put it to the team they've had to. I mean, they don't play the Red Sox and Yankees right now or the Blue Jays, the teams that they're chasing. They're playing the A's, and they're playing them a ton. In fact, seven games in a, basically nine, ten days. And they've beat them now consecutively. And it's been a fun series to watch them go up again with all the pressure in the world, except no one's talking about them. Um, so, yeah, to so see them do it in a variety of ways. But I, I got to give a lot of love for Chris Flexen. He'll give up some runs, but the way that he battles and has kept his team in games, especially coming down the stretch, when we talk about a lot of great American League pitchers right now, deservedly still, Chris Flexen's name does not get brought up, and it should. No, a lot of teams, I'm sure, would look back uh, at uh, the free agent market last year and assess internally mistakes that they made. A lot of teams not stepping up and bidding on Chris Flexen, uh, I'm sure, have had a lot of analysts uh, regretting that decision during the course of winter because the Mariners got him for not very much money. Uh, Melanie, you see the American League East a lot. Uh, Those are the teams that the Mariners are chasing uh, tonight. The team usually cover the Orioles are facing the Red Sox in a series starting today. And you've got the Jays and the Yankees. The Yankees with playing with a ton of confidence. They got a lot of pitchers coming back. Third game of this series does seem to be a nice pitching matchup for the Blue Jays. Uh, You're going to have Corey Kluber, the Yankees going up against uh, Cy Young, possible winner and Robbie Ray. What do you see in that race? Yeah, you know, it's been really interesting, Buster, because I I think the huge tipping point was that Red Sox-Yankees series. And just the way that the Yankees came out, it's not 16 games like St. Louis, but when you go in and you take care of business the way that they did in Boston, I mean, put it really on Giancarlo Stanton to push that team through. That is almost as much as momentum, just because of how deep running that rivalry is. And so now the question is, Will they be stopped? Can somebody come in and slow that momentum from New York? Because that was a team, I think on the flip side of things, a lot of us have doubted for most of this year. And I'm not going to reveal anybody here, but even some people with the Yankees who in spring were like, this isn't the team. I don't care what they say on paper. I'm telling you, this is not the team. And we've seen it. We've seen where those holes have been on every single side of it. I mean, you look at how many outs they've made because of base running mistakes this year. And it's those little things that they're really going to have to make sure that they cinch up if they're going to really punch that ticket. Toronto, I think is still underrated. And you just mentioned it with Robbie Ray. They have a good staff. If Hyunjin Ryu could figure things out, that's another step forward for them. I think they've got to have a little more put together offensively. Sometimes they get a little too aggressive. You see that youth coming out. Um, and, and so it causes them to hit into some mistakes, some early outs. They're not working pitchers as much as they could be because they could certainly wear out a starter before he's even into the fifth inning. And meanwhile, for Boston, They catch a break. 
and, and, and no offense to my Birdland, but they're coming in to play the Orioles. It's going to be interesting to see how they can respond to that. Because again, as I kind of said earlier, with the whole emotion between the Dodgers and the Padres, does Boston respond emotionally to what just happened to them at home? Are they able to come back and play angry for the fact that they could not take care of business against New York? Or was that kind of it for them? Does that make them bite the bullet? Because Baltimore has played spoiler several times already this season. They yeah. took two or three from the Yankees when they were up in New York, a young team that really shouldn't have had a shot at that. Um, so I, I don't think it's as handed to anybody, um, maybe compared to any other division right now coming into this final stretch. Yeah, I think, Jess, uh, that the big challenge for the Jays is to slow down uh, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Aaron Judge, I'm curious about the impact the other day, dislocated the pinky of his left hand. He told reporters it's not a big deal. He said it's not. That's a, the finger. It's not really involved in hitting. Uh, and Giancarlo Stanton is locked in in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. And I had a conversation the other day with him. I know you would have loved because you love these hitting yes. conversations. I asked him. <laughs> Uh, how, when he stands in the box in that closed off stance and then he kind of tilts his, his, uh, the bill of his cap forward a little bit, uh, lowers it. So there's this narrow window that he can see looking out forward. I said, are you tunneling on the pitcher? He goes, no, that's not really it. He said, but I do want to go back almost like to COVID times when there are no fans in my field division. It's just me and the pitcher and we're going at it. And he is swinging with so much confidence right now. Oh man, is he? And the thing is, he's got the most powerful swing that you'll see in the game. I love his stance. I love the adjustments he made back in Miami to be able to get himself, his body really into just a more simple position for him to get the friggin' barrel there. I mean, <laughs> dude can take a half swing. It's going to leave the yard. And I think that's the biggest thing for him is as is, is complicated as he might look when he's in the box and all the things that he does. It's really just about how he can get that barrel to the ball. And when he's in his zone, I mean, there's nothing you can do. I mean, we've seen the exit velocity, the strength. I mean, he's in an entirely different level, the biggest challenge for Giancarlo. And it's interesting that he said that about no fans and distractions and just, you know, being able to be him and a pitcher on a field, because ultimately that's, that's when he is at its best, when he can, to your point, almost tunnel the ball, like almost like we saw with Kevin Costner and for the love of the game, right? When he would just eliminate everything and it was just him and the batter on an island. And I feel like that's what Giancarlo Stanton is doing right now. Yeah. Everything around him is gone. It's him, the pitcher, a simple game, and him just absolutely dominating. Aaron Boone said to me the other day that there are times when he'll look at Marcus Timms at least once a game and be like, yeah, that's something no other hitter can do. Like he had a, his bat broken recently. And uh, as he swung through the barrel, the bat flew off and it landed on the protective screen behind home plate. And they're like, nobody else is that strong to uh, who can do something <laughs> like that. Um, we got about two minutes left. I want to ask each of you about what Shohei Otani said, which I thought was fascinating, Melanie, where he didn't really say, yeah, I'm going to test the market, but it's certainly in, in basically indicating that he wants to win. It felt like he was putting pressure on the Angels. Yeah, Buster, he said a lot in what he didn't say. Just, I, I want to win and I'll leave it at that. I, I mean, I think I'd rather get a text message that says, hey, we need to talk rather than hear somebody like Shohei Otani say that about your own organization. And to me, uh, you you set the alarm. Are you going to go out? Are you going to spend on guys and make sure that you absolutely give this man a competitive team next year to be on? Or are you prepared that, that he could possibly end up somewhere else? And I think too, we have to look at the fact that 
the way he said that is is very carefully structured because it, the one thing I've learned from having friends who have gone over and played in Japan and Korea is how much respect you bring into the game and, and the way that you carry yourself on and off the field matters every single day. And so that's just him being himself, being respectful. He's not trying to be sly or like put anything under the radar. That's just not trying to be disrespectful to that team, but it's, it's time for him to see October. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that he said it first of all, because to Melanie's point, it, it, you are, he's a man of few words. Like he's not going to go and bash and get emotional. I mean, that culturally is just something when he is going to say something, it's going to be with purpose. It's going to have meaning behind it. And it wasn't just him. I mean, Joe Madden talked about it. Mike Trout has said, we've got to spend money this off season. I mean, obviously the organization is looking, you know, where they're at with some of the names and now Albert Pujols' money comes off. It's going to be very interesting what happens these next three months. But I mean, even with Shohei Otani, what he said, I mean, all of baseball wants this. <laughs> I want him playing in October. We've said it about Mike Trout forever. But I love the fact that he said it. We've never heard Mike Trout say, get me on a team that's going to win. I mean, he goes about his business and he has confidence in where he's at and he's happy and playing the game in Los Angeles, you know, for the Angels. And to me, Shohei Otani has made a statement and I absolutely love it because this is a player that we need absolutely with all the history everything the mvp the hill win this year he needs to be playing next week and he's not and i love that there's a fire inside of him that is not content with that being okay and you're right about pointing out trout i hadn't thought of that the trout probably after he read those quotes may have gone up to tani and give him a high five because he yeah. can say out loud what uh, you know mike probably feels all right. Well, 10 o'clock tomorrow, Eastern time, Padres, Dodgers. I know you guys will have fun together. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Buster. Thanks, Buster. Always fun. Bleacher tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a Tuesday. And I'll throw a curveball off the top here. Justin Simmons wrote in overnight. So, Buster, you talked about how good a weekend it was for your uh, your Vikings because they won. But why didn't you mention Vanderbilt? Mm. Oh, is it baseball season yet? When, <laughs> I, I didn't realize baseball season started. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, 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 guess I, I You know, I, I no, I'll, have to, I'll have to double back. I'll reach out to uh, Mr. Corbin and find out when uh, if they played some inter squad games or something like that, because that's a Vanderbilt I know. Yeah, yeah, you know, we might have to double check because I thought Vanderbilt folded its football program, so that couldn't. Wow, be just that's a cheap about. shot. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's funny because there's all this conversation. Now I'm going to take the gloves off. Uh, there's all this conversation. Well, should Vanderbilt be left in the SEC? We could say the same thing about other people's baseball programs. You know, yeah. some of the other SEC schools can't play up to Vanderbilt snuff. Maybe you shouldn't be in the SEC. We'll be fine. I know I we're not going to win a lot of football games. That's the existence we have. We'll be okay. I'm right there with you. My Maryland Terrapins, they're off to a 4-0 start, but generally also, uh, you know, equally as bad as Vanderbilt. Yeah, I don't want to hear about your Terrapins 4-0 start. (laughs) Let's go to Elizabeth Hart at eHart Tweets. Elizabeth writes in, the Blue Jays are 21-9 at the Rogers Center this season, have increased capacity to 30,000. Do you think this gives them a distinct advantage for their final two series? And does it also feel like people have forgotten how long they were homeless for? Yeah, Elizabeth, I agree with you. Uh, it's a distinct advantage for them when they play at home. I actually thought about doing this. This would be fun, Taylor. Maybe, uh, you know, to, we can work on something about this with Todd, whether it's uh, this year or maybe next year. Um, you know, rank the, the teams in terms of like, uh, uh, you know, what it means to play at home. Like there's no doubt playing at home for the Yankees 
potentially is a distinct advantage because and players on other teams talk about that, how raucous that crowd can be. I think Oakland is that way. Toronto is definitely that way. They have great crowds, especially down the stretch uh, when their teams are involved in, you know, big races, those Jose Bautista teams, those were so much fun to watch Mm -hmm. those games and these games coming up or it's going to be a lot of intensity. Last one for today, Mike Mosk at the Mosk 3, writes in Joey Gallo has 593 plate appearances, 38 home runs, 204 strikes, and 100 walks in 58% of his plate appearances. There's an absolute result. He asks micro, microosm, whew, tough Mike, word, micro, micro, or, Mike, Mike, micro, microcosm, no. microcosm. That's it. Issues, plaguing. Major League Baseball. I can't believe I lost that word. Oof, me too. What What do you think about this take from Mike? Yeah, I I think it's a fair point, Uh, and it's interesting because I mean, you know, Joey Gallo is is an effective player according to the numbers, and you watch him play, and there are definitely times when the valleys are really deep in terms of his performance. (laughs) Uh, all right, that does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter, and please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. My thanks today to Jessica Mendoza, to Melanie Newman, to Sarah Langs, and to Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight Podcast. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one and done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.